Welcome, everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with The Wall Street Resource. Joining me is Amy Trombley. She's the CEO of Sonoma Pharmaceuticals. Good morning, Amy. Good morning. So, Amy, for those that aren't familiar with Sonoma, can you just give us a quick overview of the company? Sure. Um, Sonoma is a healthcare company. We develop and we manufacture HOCL products. So HSCL is an amazing compound. It's actually made within our own bodies, and it has the power to kill microbes while also providing oxygen to cells to accelerate healing. And because it's made in our own bodies, um, it's extremely safe and natural, um, all natural and easy for people to use. It has an enormous amount of applications. We started as a wound care company, and... um, And we've been around for about 20 years. So in that time, we've expanded to many other applications. So we also sell into the dermatology space, into the eye space, oral care, dental, nasal. And all of our human products are also made for animal care. And we do have some pretty brisk animal care sales, animal health care sales in the U.S. Um, And we also sell a disinfectant um, globally. And the disinfectant is also safe. It has a green designation, and it's non-toxic. Okay. Um, so f- first off, did you say HSCL? That's what you call it for short. Is that correct? So it's hypochlorous acid, and we nickname it here by its compound. So it's HOCL. Okay, HOCL. Okay. Now, is that um, proprietary or generic? So HOCL itself, because it's made in our bodies, it's been around for as long as humans have been around. So the compound itself is not in any way proprietary. But what is proprietary and and the way Sonoma excels is that we found ways to stabilize and to use it. So you can go ahead, anybody can go ahead and get, get the equipment to make HOCL. But the problem is it's highly unstable just as it's naturally made. So it will start to break down the minute you're finished making it. What makes Sonoma stand out is that we've developed proprietary ways and we have numerous patents on how to stabilize it and then also how to use it in various applications. Okay, so it's not just know-how, you're IP protected for that as well, it sounds. Yes, we are. Okay, and and are these products, um, well, there's a lot of products, are they prescription or OTC? So it depends on the country. We have 21 FDA clearances, 39 CE markings, and then regulatory clearances all over the world. So because we sell into 55 different countries, we, we comply with 55 different regulatory schemes. So what, for example, might be prescription in the U.S. might or might not be in China or the EU. So in the United States, we do sell prescription products. We sell professional use products, and we sell over-the-counter products. Oh, okay. Um, in, in the EU, primarily it's prescription um, pharmacist dispense and OTC, and we also sell professional use wound care. So we sell a, it, we, we're very country-specific um, to answer that question, and it, it really just depends on the demand and the partners. But we have the capability to sell everything from prescription to OTC. Okay. And the competitive landscape for these products, are you primarily the dominant one, or, or where do you fit in the food chain for that? Sure, that's a good question. So as I mentioned, anybody can make HOCL. So there are quite a few fly-by-night operations out there that make HOCL, and if you look at their labels, you might see it's shelf-stable for 30 days. Um, Some of the machinery, it's 
stable for 30 minutes. Um, some might be up to six months. So our shelf stability is two to three years and can go longer depending on the packaging. So we're very competitive in the HOCL space. As I mentioned, we've been around 20 years. So in the, in the 20 years, we've learned a lot about the type of packaging, how to manufacture, um, and how to make the product. So we think, and we've seen many, many countries, we are out in front as the leader. The other thing that establishes that for us is we have over 100 clinical papers on our website and we try to be very transparent about our technology. So as far as R&D goes, I can't, I'm not aware of any other HOCL company that has invested that much in clinical papers and clinical work. And okay. then we also have far more regulatory clearances. So as I mentioned, the 21 FDAs, 39 CE markings, we've also gotten approval through the EPA for a disinfectant in the U.S. and, and similar EPA organizations in other countries as well. We're not aware of any other HSCL company that has been through such rigorous testing through so many agencies, through so many countries, um, and so many clinical papers. So we really are out in front as far as knowledge, how to use the product, its applications, how to keep a stable shelf life and efficacy. Okay. And um, the approvals, uh, um, is everything approved or certain products approved in, in certain areas and you want to expand that? or do you have things in the, the pipeline as well? So as I mentioned, between 40 distributors and 55 countries, our product offerings vary quite a bit around the world. For example, we're working on clearances now for oral care in China. So we'll work with our distributors. Um, another good example is our disinfectant was first cleared in the Middle East and then Australia, and then we brought it to the US. So we're constantly working on R&D and moving our regulatory clearances around the world to open up new markets, it gives us a real competitive edge because if we know, for example, a disinfectant was cleared in Australia and is a very strong seller, then it makes sense to us to bring that disinfectant, for example, to the United States and do the regulatory here. So we're, we're around the world at any given time in multiple countries. We're doing product development, regulatory, um, and exploring new markets for existing products. It's, it's a big part of why Sonoma has grown and has been successful in this space. Okay. Are, are they mostly niches you're going after, or do you have some um, blockbuster applications as well? So it's, it's really a mix. We have – so animal care, for example, is just, you know, every market we're in from wound care to eye care to dermatology, they're all multi-billion dollar markets. Um, so – we're in huge spaces. HSCL can be used every day, all day by people. It's extremely safe and has so many broad applications. So we do target very large spaces and everyday use. Um, but within those spaces, we, we're not afraid of going after smaller niche markets. Um, sometimes it's a less crowded space with less competition. So a good example is podiatry. We have a nice um, podiatry product that we've introduced. There's not a lot of competition in that space, so we're starting to see some nice uptake in that product, um, whereas dermatology is more crowded but potentially larger. So we're not afraid to play in big spaces with lots of potential, um, but we're also pretty interested in the smaller spaces with less noise where sometimes we get more attention. 
Okay. Is this all based off of one compound and it's just a platform with different indications or do you have several different platforms or compounds? So every single product, and we are the manufacturer, so every single product we make is based, the core application is the HOCL, the hypochlorous acid. But within that, we'll add other things to the HOCL. So a, a good example of that is Regenesin, which is our scar product. Silicone is, is sort of the standard of care in um, treating scars. So we have an HSCL combination silicone product for scar treatment. So everything is based in our hypochlorous acid, but we'll add or change applications and sometimes add additional products. Um, but, and the reason that works is because HSCL has so many applications. I can't think of any other compound that would be used, for example, in your eyes, on your skin, in wound care, on animals, as a disinfectant. We have, we have found so many ways to use HSCL based on 20 years of history in our 100 clinical papers um, to use so many applications. And we feel like there's many more applications we haven't yet explored. So we think, we think there's still a lot of growth in this product. And since we're such experts in this space, that's where we see growth coming from. Okay. And then marketing channels, you, you mentioned distributors. Is it solely by distributor? Do you have your own sales force or do you license some? So we manufacture in Guadalajara. We have an office here um, in the United States based in Boulder, Colorado, and then we also have an office in the Netherlands. Most of our sales are distributor-based, so especially outside of the U.S. So we do work with distributors to co-develop products. Um, we do have warehouses. So we do distribute from Europe, you know, in Europe, from Mexico. We'll ship to Asia. And then in the U.S., we also have distribution. We, don't, we do have some sales, and we do do some direct sales. It's an area we may expand in the future. Um, but direct sales are expensive, and we like our distributor relationships. They help us co-develop. And within the various countries we sell, having a distributor on the ground in that culture who understands that culture and how to market and, you know, the native language, that makes far more sense for most of our sales. Okay. So are you manufacturing 100% of what you sell or do you toll some of it? No, we manufacture 100% of what we sell. We have a facility in Guadalajara, Mexico. We have about 160 employees gotcha. down in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And how about capacity? Where are you there? So right now we're at about 30% capacity. So we have the potential. We run three lines. We could run three lines, three ships. So we're at about 30%. And to be fully upfront, the 30% has impacted our margins. So one of the ways we're working on margins is looking at bringing in some more volume and looking at some volume transactions. Okay. And then what are, uh, what, what's the revenue model and the, and the gross margins? What do they look like? So our gross margins bounce around. Um, some of that is because our sales internationally are somewhat lumpy. It's hard to look at us quarter by quarter because when we ship internationally, they often ship container size, so it's much larger order orders but less frequent. Um, and then, you know, so if we get, our, our margins are lower in countries like China, India, some of the third world countries we ship into. They're higher in the U.S. where the margins are a little bit more consistent because we don't have those, those international shipping 
issues within the U.S. or Europe we're shipping to pretty consistently. So margins bounce around, I would say, 30 to 36, 37%. And that is an issue with Sonoma that we're very focused on. And we do have a growth plan going forward to improve margins. Um, obviously, as I mentioned, we want to increase volume within our factory, and that will come with increasing sales. So the silver lining in that, though, is that we can increase volumes without much increase in overhead. So because we have the factory facility ourselves, increasing volume comes at reducing costs and improved margins. So it is a growth opportunity for us. Um, the other issue is in Sonoma's long history, and there are many reasons I won't get into, the U.S. was never a target market for a lot of Sonoma's products. They were focused more on the EU um, and Asia. So the U.S. is almost a wide-open market for us, and we think that's our biggest opportunity for sales, being in our home country, home space, and the culture we understand. Um, we're also doing more direct marketing in the U.S. So selling more into first-world countries, um, we can charge more, obviously, and there's more margin in that. And we're also focused more on direct sales in the higher margin countries, which also brings us better margin. Okay, um, so, so can you can you summarize what the what the growth plan is, the growth strategy? Sure. So we have natural organic growth working, you know, just with our network of distributors, and we're always looking to add new distributors um, where it makes sense. So. Our organic growth and continuing on in our business model that we've always had is has been a source of growth for us for many, many years, um, which a little bit of that is masked in our history because we did divest some unprofitable lines. Um, but our core business has continued to grow. So we do rely on organic growth, adding new distributors, and building on our existing model. The, the places we're diverging is that we're focusing more sales effort now on the United States and have been, um, especially since the pandemic lifted. We've been out at conferences, out at trade shows. Um, we've been building our sales force, our sales material. And if you look at our press releases, you'll see we've introduced a number of products. So we are very focused on the U.S. market, which is something that has not been done as much in Sonoma's history. And we are focused more on direct sales and higher margin products. So, so, so what – oh, I'm sorry. Continue, please. So, you know, introducing the new products, helps us also with the existing distributors and people who already know and are familiar with our products. It helps them build as well. So if you look at our press releases, you'll see we are continuing to invest in new technology, new clearances, um, and moving products around the world to bring the higher margin products into the higher margin market. Okay. So, so what market is your largest percentage? Does one of them stand out? And also what product is your largest percent of revenue? Does one of them stand out? So that's an interesting thing about Sonoma is that especially with the pandemic, our no one region has particularly stood out. We've moved a lot with sort of global events. So because we had a COVID cleared disinfectant, disinfectant sales soared during COVID and have since you know, come down from a very high peak, but they've stabilized. We also sell wound care, and we're selling a lot of a lot more wound care, for example, into Eastern Europe because of the Ukrainian war. And also, we sold a lot more wound care 
because there's been a lot of delayed surgeries, um, people who delayed optional surgeries during COVID are now having those surgeries. And we've seen that also push up our wound care sales um, globally, actually. So it really depends. Um, we're very, even though all of our products are based in HSCL, we are actually a very diverse company in the sense of how those are applied from, like I said, animal health. Um, animal health also soared during COVID because everybody got pandemic pets. So we saw that peak. It's receded a little bit with sort of soft consumer demand in the U.S. And now it, it seems like it's sort of flattened off and resumed a little bit of growth. So at any given time within Sonoma, certain categories may be rising and falling, but because we are so diversified globally and in products and applications, they tend to sort of smooth out on the top line. So, you know, predicting growth going forward, we always, no one ever wants to profit off of war and no one wants that, but we do see the higher wound care sales and we are you know, helping people through that period. So it is a little bit hard to predict what will drive growth going forward and what may, you know, recede or, or move forward. But we are seeing nice uptake in new product introduction. Um, the vast majority of our distributors are continuing to grow either by adding territories, adding products, or just increasing sale within their own territories. So we see that sort of baseline consistent growth across of all of our product lines. Okay. So uh, I take it that most of your products, if not all, were developed in-house, but I read about your background and it makes me wonder about acquisitions. That's a good question. So we're a public company and always in the back of my mind, we want to do what's best for our shareholders and bring them the best return. So we are always open to conversations. We do have conversations around M&A. We are consistently looking for M&A. Um, but we're only going to do a deal that makes sense and is in the best interest of shareholders. You know, I, I was an M&A attorney <laughs> in a prior life, and I have seen a lot of companies make poor decisions just to grow um, and then have trouble absorbing or, you know, it, it wasn't the right fit. So we're going to carefully assess anything that we do to make sure that it is the right fit, the right price, you know, there, it makes sense to fold into Sonoma, but for sure, we actually, we do look for any kind of M&A if, if it would make sense for Sonoma. Okay. And your cash situation? So our cash situation, I'm just reaching back because our last, we're March 31st fiscal year-end company, our 10 is actually due in two weeks. So our last published cash position, I think, was unfortunately in December. And while I'm itching to tell you what our new cash position is, I think I have to reach back to December where it was about, I want to say about $3.84 million. So nope. we do watch cash carefully, but we do balance that against the current market terms we're seeing, which in this stock market have not been great. And as I mentioned, I'm always very sensitive to shareholder concerns. So we're going to raise money when it, it makes sense and the terms are good. We watch our cash and our expenses very, very tightly um, so that we're not put in a position of having to raise capital at a time when the market's not particularly friendly to doing that. So, um, and it is an overwhelming, uh, overreaching 
arc and goal for Sonoma to drive towards profitability so we're not constantly deleting shareholders. Um, so right now, um, I wish I could tell you more, but we were at about, I think, just shy of $4 million global cash in December. So can your cash burn? Um, that also varies. Because we're a manufacturer, we do use a fair amount of working capital just buying materials, you know, preparing inventory for sale. So our cash burn has been, like I said, it's very lumpy. It really depends because we do have large pockets of sale. Historically, I want to say it's about a million a quarter. But again, those numbers are old um, because we have not filed our 10K yet. Okay, so until you file, it sounds like the cash and cash burn numbers for today are, are not going to be um, something we can really take a look at meaningfully. Is that I, fair? I would wait. I would wait until the 10K comes out and has a lot more current information. Okay, so I, I noticed in the last week or so the stock had shot up. What was mm -hmm. the catalyst for that? Can you point to something? Sure. So we introduced a new product. Um, it's something actually our distributors had originally brought to our intention. And like I said, we, we work with our distributors. We work with the medical community. We've been around for a very long time. So we introduced a new pulse lavage system product that can be used in a pulse gun. So if you were to, for example, have a replacement knee, as the doctors are working that cavity, the current standard of care is that that cavity would be flushed with saline as the surgery is progressing and then ending. Now we've offered our Microsyn product. Um, it will have, we're taking pre-orders now. It will be commercially ready in the EU in September. And then we will be bringing it to the U.S. as well in 2024. So now that knee cavity can be flushed with our Microsyn product. And so our Microsyn product, not only is it extremely safe and non-toxic, but it kills not just bacteria, but also virus and fungi. So it's a very broad-spectrum antimicrobial product. Um, where saline doesn't kill anything. It's just sort of a liquid flush. So there's a lot of excitement around that product. Um, it can be used in place of IV saline bags in certain surgeries, in very common surgeries. And we're very excited to see what the uptake will be as far as sales in the EU. But we already we do have, um, we have been working with our distributors on Okay, so you may have partially answered my my next question, which is, why now? I mean, you guys have been around a long time. Um, why be involved right now? That's a great question, and I love that question. So I came into Sonoma as CEO about three and a half years ago, and when I came in, it was very much a turnaround situation. For those people who might remember Sonoma of the past, um, they'd done multiple stock offerings to cover a intensive cash burn. There were, I think, two reverse splits back to back. So I was brought in to see if the company could be saved, if we could find a path forward that would bring us to profitability. So our first two years were spent basically divesting all of the product lines that were not, were burning cash. We did let go of most of our sales force. Um, we took our prescription products and we partner those out with EMC. So our prescription products are still sold in the U.S., but they're sold through a distributor now. So we've spent the last two to three years completely repositioning Sonoma. So now every product category we have throws off cash. Um, every single product category we have is 
is profitable within that category. That was not true before. So now we've brought down our burn. We've shrunken our losses. We've corrected a lot of the business, and we've now found a business model that makes sense to bring forward. So this is, I think, the first time in Sonoma's very lengthy history where profitability is the main goal. Um, we're being very realistic about it. You know, we're adding distributors, we're adding products, we're adding regulatory, we're taking all the correct, you know, sometimes not as glamorous stuff um, as finding, you know, a shiny acquisition that may not work. Um, we're actually doing the work inch by inch, you know, foot by foot, filling the pool um, and driving ourselves towards profitability. And we've also pulled back substantially on our expenses um, to try to make those two ends meet. So Sonoma is now positioned to grow responsibly and to drive towards profitability. And if you do look at the last three years, you'll see we haven't done, you know, we, we've only raised money to the extent we've absolutely had to, and we've funneled that into growth. So we are running a very different company um, than maybe people remo- might remember from Sonoma of the past. Fair enough. And, and so as we watch Sonoma over the next 12 months, what are some of the events or, or milestones or catalysts that we should watch for? So we're always looking to add distributors. Um, and sometimes we'll start with smaller groups um, you know, that might have 12 or 15 sales reps. We'll try new products with those groups. And we actually just signed a large partner in South Korea for one of our products. So as products gain... Um, traction and interest. A lot of times we move those over to larger distributors with larger reach. So what we're working on and and we will announce as as it becomes material and interesting is we're always adding new distributors, adding new products. We are adding new regulatory clearances around the world um, as well. So I think what you'll see from Sonoma in the next 12 months is a lot of what we've been doing for the last 12 months, which is continuing to grow um, in various different ways around the world. Okay. So before we go, is there anything that you wish I would have asked but hadn't or any closing remark you want to leave us with? Um, No, I think we've covered everything. Um, We do have our 10K coming out at the end of this month, followed pretty quickly by our first quarter queue. So I know with public companies, there's a bit of lag around year-end, but I'm excited to put out our new financial results and be able to update the conversation when we talk about things like cash and earnings. Very good. Well, Amy, thanks so much for sharing the Sonoma story. Thank you so much.